Thank you for joining me in today's webcast of Dynamic Web Church. I'm so excited to come to you live today and I believe we're just going to enjoy the Word of God today. God is so good and I just trust that you've had a wonderful week experiencing the unconditional love of God. If you're a first-time visitor to Dynamic Web Church, I just want to welcome you and I want to say, welcome. I want you to relax and know that you're going to get the message of God's unconditional love, the message that builds dignity and worth, which does not have a focus on what we must do for God, but it is focused on what God has done for us to the point that we, it will activate you to go and do something for God. <coughs> Excuse me. I do believe that God is a God that's just there to lift you up, to get you to the place where He is. That's His plan, that's His vision, so that man can experience what it is to be like God. So if you're a first time visitor, thank you that you visited, oh, that you're visiting. God loves you. God cares for you. Today we're going to have communion. So, um, everybody that's listening, you can quickly run and get your, uh, wine and bread ready or even water and a piece of bread, whatever you have there. We're going to have communion together. And as from today, every first Sunday of the month, we will have communion. So you can be prepared for that. It's so important to have communion. Because it is just a communion between the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and us. And what God has done for us on the cross has become so real and we can experience it to the point that we can feel as if we are eating it. It becomes part of you as you do it. We meditate upon what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And we experience that peace in our hearts. Amen. So, um, everybody as well that has invited people to join this service, you've sent the link, you've invited people, you've talked to people, even if they haven't joined today. That's fine. What you have done is one of the greatest deeds of love that can ever be done to anybody. Sharing Jesus Christ. You know, God loved us so much that He gave His Son so that we can be saved and live through His Son. And we love God by accepting the gift that He has given us and we love our neighbor by telling them about the love of God, so they can experience the love of God. And I believe by just sharing the gospel, you are loving God and people as well. That's the deed of love. I believe the greatest deed of love. You can give money to somebody, you can give your body to be burnt, you can do a lot of things without even having love. So, I believe the pure motive of a Christian to get somebody to know the unconditional love of God is a manifestation of the love that's in his heart, which is the result of what God has done for him and the revelation of what God has done for him. Amen. Now, in short, I just want to explain a little bit about Dynamic Web Church and what Dynamic Web Church is. The vision of Dynamic Web Church is to see people established in the message of grace, the message of love and the message of peace, that which God has done in Jesus Christ. It's to get people to have a relationship with God based on what Jesus has done for them and not based on obedience to the law. So many Christians today are caught up in a thing which is called works righteousness, which basically in the, in the modern world today looks like this. I am a Christian because I believe in Jesus, but I maintain my salvation and I get access into blessings by obeying certain principles and rules in the Bible, which is mainly in the Ten Commandments, and then normal, charismatic, Pentecostal, or I don't care what church you come from, rules or regulations. Like you must wear certain clothes, like you must be dressed in a certain way, like you must act in a certain way in order for God to bless you. 
we must know one thing for sure, that our blessing and our salvation does not rest in what we do, but it rests in what God has done. And out of that, and this is the vision of Dynamic Web Church, is to get people established in that, because that's the only way in which the character of God will manifest in the lives of people. So we're not a church that promotes sin. We're not a church that promotes just a wild life. We're a church that promotes the finished work of Jesus and what He has done for you. We'll preach on that every Sunday. We'll minister on that every message. You can go through uh, the website, all the messages under Wordwell, under Meet the Savior online, every message. I think we've got 105 messages on um, the website. You can listen to every one of them. It's all grace-based. So we can take the message of grace and we can apply it to every area of your life to the point that you will find the character of God just showing forth in your life. So what we want to see is stable Christians living what I call the God life or the character of God in this world not based on willpower, not based on I'm trying hard, but based on God living in you and through you. And all the, the only way that's going to happen is if you can discover who God is and what He's done for you freely. Amen. Man, isn't that awesome? There's a scripture that somebody sent to me uh, via the email and I want to just read it to you. And it just, this just explains what basically happens in Dynamic Web Church. We're not a church that fights with other preachers. We're not a church that goes out saying we're against this doctrine, we're against that, we're against that. We are a church that is um, pro-Jesus Christ and we focus on Jesus and that only. So, I believe that um, you must always know this, that we are not, if, if there's somebody out there that preaches a little bit different doctrine than what we preach, we don't walk in um, judgment towards such a person. We don't say that, that they don't have a good ministry. We don't say that God cannot work through them. We don't say that they've never meant anything to anybody. It's not, that's not the case. In Dynamic Web Church, the vision that we have is just to build people and establish people. Amen. And we're just going to read this in short. In the message uh, translation of the Bible, if you don't have a message translation, do yourself a favor. Go and buy a message translation. It will just bless you. Amen. Okay. The world is unprincipled. It's a dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massive corrupt culture. Now, what we do in Dynamic Web Church is we preach the gospel with power, with signs, wonders and miracles following. I mean, you can go on the website, you can see what God has done, the miracles that happen, people that get healed, people that get saved. We do that not with a purpose to... um, for marketing or manipulation. So, we are not there to market our ministry. We're not there to see how we can build dynamic web church until it becomes a mega church. That's not the vision. Although it will become a church like that. Because where the light is, people just come. I know that is what's going to happen, but that's not the vision. The vision is not to see how can we use God's powerful anointing to market our ministry. The other one there is, he says, awful manipulation. So, you'll never come to a place and you'll never hear it out of my mouth, not once, or anybody will ever use this pulpit to preach from it, any guest that I get to preach in Dynamic Web Church or anything like that, 
you will never find manipulation from this pulpit. We're never going to manipulate you to give money. We're never going to throw our vision in front of you and manipulate you to give towards it. Although you can give because it's just in your heart. But manipulation is never going to be used here. Our Christianic Web Church is not for marketing. We don't use this as a marketing tool for our ministry. We're not manipulating people, but we are demolishing that entire massive corrupt culture of marketing and manipulating through the law. So we are, uh, in what we're going to say, you will find that some of the stuff might be radical. Some of the stuff might be um, challenging to your belief system. But I would encourage you to just listen through the message and just open your heart and say, My God, thank you for your unconditional love, mercy and grace. Okay? We use our, our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Now that is, man, that just takes everything together. We are there in Dynamic Web Church and we are preaching the truth. Now, it, the effect of preaching the truth is it's just going to demolish all other warped ideas or warped philosophies is going to tear down barriers that's erected against the truth and against the message of grace and God's unconditional love. Amen. So we are there to preach the grace of God radically. We're not going to be ashamed of preaching the grace of God. Hallelujah. So if you've joined this uh, web church for the first time, you are so welcome. The vision is to see you established in the kingdom of God because you are valuable to God. He paid for you. The, the, the value that you have for God is the same as that of Jesus Christ because He gave Jesus for you. Uh, we can put it more bluntly or more radical. He exchanged Jesus with you. He said, well, I'll give Jesus so that I can have whoever's watching. Amen. God loves you. He cares for you. You are of great value to Him. And uh, something that's very valuable needs to be cared for properly. And that's why we make sure we only minister the message of grace because that's the only message that brings true care. Amen. No condemnation, but help in the time of need. Let us just pray together before we go into the Word and into the offering and all of that. Amen. Father, I thank You that You love people. I thank You that You care for everybody that is listening to my voice today. I thank You that Your Spirit just moves powerfully over people right now. I thank You for Your anointing that's just on people as they are listening to my voice. Holy Spirit, thank You that You speak through me, that people's lives will be impacted through this ministry and through this message, that they will say, truly God has touched my life. Amen. Amen. Now, I've got some announcements. Number one, if you find that we... Um, that, that the broadcast gets stuck or something like that, press F5, it will refresh the page. Or what you can do is you can also click on the optional link and will open up in Windows Media Player or whatever player you have available in there. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes when you go into the optional link, it is much better. You must just remember to close the previous link, otherwise you will have me preach on two screens or the, the sound will be mixed up. Maybe there will be a delay of three or four seconds, which can be quite annoying. So, remember when you open the optional link, close the previous one. Well, that's basically it. Another exciting thing that's happening now is we've, um, we've 
spoken to a radio station and asked them to buy some airtime. And, well, they were willing to sell us some airtime. Amen. And uh, a lot of radio stations don't have airtime for sale. Not because they... It's just out of principle. They don't sell their airtime. They've got their own programs. And there's a local radio station uh, here about 35 kilometers from us that was willing to sell us some airtime. So we will be starting um, from the 15th. We'll start to broadcast once a week on Radio Atlantis. And we've also contacted two other radio stations. So uh, you can just pray for us for that. We would like to go onto those stations. And I do believe where God guides, God provides. And there are somebody, there's somebody that God is speaking in his heart at the moment that will give the money to broadcast on those stations. And I thank God for that. You know, the one, uh, uh, the one station's finances is already met. So I thank God for that. God is only good. Hallelujah. So pray for us. Uh, for that, you can be part of that. You must know one thing. In web church, although you might sit on the other side of the world right now, uh, you are as part of what I'm doing as what I am part of it. You can be part through prayer. You can be part through just getting people to slot into this, um, this session where we preach. You can be part by just directing people to the message of grace, to the website where people can listen to it. We've uploaded 18 videos on GodTube. So you get YouTube and now you get GodTube.com. So you can just take that, take that link, send it to somebody. If he sees something from GodTube, you might think, well, what's this? And you might listen to something very powerful that can impact his life. Now that's a way in which you can be part of this ministry. You can also support this ministry financially. That's also a way in which you can be part of this ministry. But remember, as long as what your heart's not willing, the gift is not accepted. There, there are many people that told me, Bertie, I want to tithe to your ministry because if I tithe to your ministry, I sow in fruitful ground and then that seed's going to grow and um, I'll prosper financially because I see a successful ministry. And I told them time and again, you cannot tithe into my ministry. Uh, on that basis, you can't. You can't tithe with a purpose to think that this is fruitful ground like many preachers preach saying, now you're going to prosper. You cannot do that. That is not a biblical New Testament way of doing You'll find it in the Bible, but you will not find it in the New Testament thought pattern. You will not find it in the cross. It doesn't work that way. So, I would like you to know that you cannot tithe into this ministry. You cannot sow into this ministry. What you can do is you can give out of the abundance of your heart. That you can do. If you feel, man, I want to just give into this ministry because they're going to use that money and this good news is going to be preached, that's what then you can give. And um, if you want to grow financially, just go to Money on the Cross on the website, download it for free, and you can listen to a message that will uh, prosper you. It will bring financial prosperity to your life. So don't try to do things in order to prosper. Don't try to do spiritual things, spiritual principles and laws in order to prosper. Just listen to uh, Money on the Cross. You will see the grace of God on finances and you will prosper through that. So, uh, so many times people's motives aren't pure. They want to prosper and they're scared. So many times it's not, uh, uh, it's fearful giving and not cheerful giving. I'm fearful because I must have seed in the ground because next month or next year or five years from now, I will not have if I don't have seed in the ground today. Now, you cannot give into dynamic web church that way. If you want to give that way um, and we find out about it, we will talk to you. Now, I'm not going to just say, well, keep your money, you've got dirty money, that type of thing. I will never say that. But what I will tell you is, 
listen, uh, if you really don't want to give this money, and that's the purpose, let's pray for you that God can prosper you, and then you do with your money what you feel you want to do with it. But the key to prosperity is not giving to any ministry. The key to prosperity is Jesus. Amen. And the cross and the resurrection. And that gives me an awesome, awesome peace that's above what I could ever think or dream. Hallelujah. As surely as what I am saved, that's how sure it is that I will prosper tomorrow. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead raised me out of my poverty. And if I could believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, therefore I am saved. He died for me. His blood flowed for me. His body was broken for me. He was resurrected. He seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's the basis of eternal life in my body today. It's the same basis for my finances. And if I can just say, my God, thank you for that, then I will prosper through faith in what Jesus has done. Then my prosperity will not be out of manipulation or fear or working a principle, but will be solely based on the cross of Jesus Christ and what He's done for me. Amen. Isn't that powerful? That is absolutely life-changing. Bless God. Now, let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians. And let's just back this with a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you, through His poverty, might be made rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you now in the context to give, because you became rich through the grace of God. Amen. So if you've received finances through the grace of God, it's expedient for you if you've made a promise to give. And that's the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 9. And it also says that as long as what the gift is not from a willing heart, it's not accepted. That what Paul actually was saying is, then he will not even take it. Because you will harm the person that gives. Now I've received, I mean in my heart, I've been harmed by giving, expecting uh, great results and then I didn't receive anything because it was a law-based principle. And that was it. But now I want to tell you I'm prospering since I started to understand the message of God's grace. Hallelujah. And the first thing that happens is you receive peace, you receive contentment with what you have. All of a sudden you don't walk in a lustful stuff. You know just God is just good to me. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm so excited about the radio station, you know, we're going to start to broadcast there in this, in next week, or the week after that, I think after my first broadcast on the radio station, which will be a live broadcast. Yeah, by the way, what we're going to do is, we're going to have three programs a week, which will be pre-recorded, and one of them will be live, where the people can phone in, it will be a program where people can just testify of what God has done for them. doesn't matter through what ministry, just a testimony program. God has healed me, God has blessed me, He's healed my marriage, whatever. Amen. Well, I'm so excited. I know that's going to give us such a... uh, People are going to hear the message of grace in such a great way in this area that when we do our crusades, people will come there by the thousands and we're going to just see people established in this message of grace. Hallelujah. And my prayer in my heart is really that leaders, church leaders, will start to take this message of grace, go to their churches and preach it. Amen. The vision is not to start to plant churches. And I just want to bring this under your attention. I want you to know this. I do believe in follow-up. I do believe in, in, um, 
in church and in discipleship. That's why I've got this church. I mean, I've got my own church. It's not the, a traditional church. It's a web church. But I've got my own church with people watching this all over the world. Um, but we, not, we believe that the part of our vision and the part of God's vision for our ministry is the evangelism part, bringing the message of grace. Having a small platform of follow-up, which is the website and the web church. But I do believe that if, if people can just get into the message of God's grace, church leaders, they can just get their church, doesn't matter to what denomination they belong, into the message of grace. Amen. Well, if you are hearing a noise, it's, uh, it's really raining. So, uh, well, bless God for the rain in the summer. It's, it's very hot in this area this time. It can get up to 40 degrees Celsius. And when it rains, I just bless God for that. Amen. Let's open our Bibles. In, uh, yeah, let's go to Luke, Luke chapter 15, and uh, last week the Lord told me to speak on this, and I never got to it, and uh, well, I'm going to speak on this today, bless God, it's just the prodigal son, the message of the loving father, how God loves people, and we've, we've been talking for, I think it's two months now, on the unconditional love of God, so you can really get into that message, you can just study it out for yourself, go onto the website, on the archive, by the end of this week we will have a lot more of, of those messages in the archive, I mean it was holidays, we moved, we put up a studio, we've, I mean the staff went on holiday, and they, they're back already, so they'll be, they'll be working tomorrow, and bless God for that, Amen. Right, uh, let's go to verse 1, Luke 15 verse 1. My Father, I want to thank you that as I preach your word today, there will be just such a great love that's just flooding people's hearts all the time. They will just know that you're a God of love. I cannot make them feel loved through what I, what I do, through my human ability. Only by your anointing can people feel loved today. And if they feel loved, they will be drawn to you, my God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It says in Luke 15 verse 1, Then draw near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives, receives sinners and eats with them. Now, in the time of Jesus, it was really not the right thing to do to receive sinners and eat with them. Now, we don't see that today, and it's not encouraged today because people don't understand it. Now, scriptures in the Bible where Paul wrote and said, you know, keep yourself away from people that habitually sin and don't have fellowship with them. Now, the context in which Paul wrote that was not that we should not have anything to do with a sinner out there in the world. He said if somebody rejects the message of grace and they don't want to live by the message of grace, no one allow the message of grace into their heart after you've spoken to them, then you can withdraw from such a person. Now, I do believe that is wonderful. You might say, badly, how can that be wonderful? The Bible even says um, that you should only speak to a person two times, uh, trying to convince him about the good news. And if he gets a spirit that says, well, I'm going to argue all the time, and I'm going to resist all the time, then you just stand back and leave that person, because... Obviously, that person is not going to take it from you. And God definitely has got another person lined up that this person might listen to. Maybe by the 150th person that speaks to him, he might open his heart and listen. Like uh, 
one of my friends that phoned me from, from Douglas, the previous town I lived in, said to me there was a guy, man, everybody knew him as the drunk in town. He was just drinking and he had a, he's got a successful business now. And um, he walked in New Year, I think it was New Year's Eve, he walked into the church and said, well, today's my day. Today my time has come to give my life to Jesus. Now, I mean, he's been hearing the gospel through many other people. People have come to a place where they say, well, I don't want to talk to him anymore. He's just frustrating me. But God continued and he protected the person that preached the gospel by saying to him, listen, after two or three times, just stand back because he's not going to listen through you. Let him use somebody else. But God's heart for the lost person does not change. It's continual. It is never ending. He will always be there for you until the day you die. In your deathbed, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I believe pictures of God will flash through your mind. The Lord's Prayer or something like that. Whatever you've heard, the name of Jesus, an unction from the Holy Spirit, will come into the heart of that lost person because God does everything possible to see people saved. Amen. And here we see Jesus really making an effort with sinners. So many times we think that sin brings a separation between us and God. But it's not the truth. Here we see that the fact they were sinners was actually drawing Jesus to them. Now, I mean, that is completely opposite to what we've heard all the time and to what, our, uh, to what the message of condemnation say. It says, when you sin, now the message of condemnation, then you will be rejected. But you are not rejected when you do something wrong. You are not rejected when you sin. You are rejected when you... And, and this, is, this is the only way when, when rejection will come in, is when you reject the message of forgiveness, when you reject the message of grace, then there will be no salvation for you. Because how will you be saved but by the grace of God? The Bible says we are saved by grace. So if you re- reject grace, then... You reject the salvation power of God and indirectly you are rejected then to enter into eternal life because you are rejecting the only person that will save you through the only message that brings salvation which is the message of God's grace. Hallelujah! Today we're just going to keep it plain and simple and I believe it's really going to touch your heart. You know many Christians, and I'm just thinking of this right now, when it comes to forgiveness... They disqualify themselves so greatly. And we will see in Matthew 18, there's a scripture that says, if you don't forgive, then your heavenly Father cannot forgive you. And so many Christians walk with a condemnation in their lives because they don't know if they've really forgiven or not. And they feel, well, if I'm, I'm still angry with this person or I'm angry with that person. And, uh, you know, because I'm angry with them, then God cannot forgive me. He will not bless me. His prosperity will not be on me. Then I walk in unforgiveness. God walks in unforgiveness towards me and He's keeping my sins against me because I've got unforgiveness in my heart. Now, <laughs> you, know, you must realize that Matthew 18 is, was not written on the foundation of grace. It was written from the foundation of the law. Because Peter came to Jesus, Matthew, I think it's 18 verse 1 or somewhere there. He came to Jesus and said, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Now, the question was law-based. If I want to forgive, and by my forgiveness, I should qualify. How many times should I forgive my brother? Even seven times? So, you must remember, he was thinking of a law. The whole mindset was a law. 
the question was work, works based. If I by my works must qualify uh, uh, through forgiveness to enter into the kingdom, to be 100% forgiven before God, how many times should I forgive? Then Jesus said, 70 times 7. And the context of that was in one day. Because uh, the law said you should forgive three times a day. Then Peter was so wise that he said, uh, even seven times a day. Then Jesus said, no, seven times seventy, or seventy times seven, which is 490 times, in one day for one brother that does the same thing to you. Now, then Peter said, well, increase my faith, (laughs) because I cannot do this. And that's exactly where Jesus wanted Peter to be, to say, I cannot do it, save me, Lord. And that's why Jesus answered. He said something that is human, humanly impossible. You cannot do it. Who can forgive 490 times a day? Now, you know, sometimes you say, oh, you know, if somebody makes me angry 490 times a day, I might forgive him. You know, if he, like, steals my pencil. But what if they rape your wife 490 times a day? What if they beat your children 490 times a day? When things like that start to happen, when they start to strangle your parents and start to kill them, and all, when things like that start to happen, you know, we justify ourselves so quickly and we don't see what Jesus tried to say. Jesus tried to say that you cannot by your own forgiveness be justified before God. And then he said, if you don't forgive like that, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive you at all. So, if you want to be justified by the way you forgive, you need to forgive 490 times from your heart, Jesus said. Not just from your mind or just a positive confession saying, well, I forgive now and now because I have now forgiven um, by my mind. I still feel angry in my heart, but in my mind I've chosen, I've made the, the, the uh, uh, decision of my will. I forgive my brother. No, that is just fooling yourself. You haven't forgiven the man. The forgiveness that God requires is not out of your mind, but from your heart, from the depths of your being, where you feel from your innermost being, I have forgiven the man. That's the the, the type of forgiveness that's required for salvation through the way you forgive. And you need to do it from your heart, 490 times from your heart, every day. Now, I tell you, it's humanly impossible to do that. You might get it right once or twice. The law was three times. So that even in the law, you could see. Now, remember, the law was there to show you that you need a Savior. The law was not there as a pathway unto righteousness for you. The law was there to show you that you need a Savior so that you can become sinful before God. And God just placed it there three times. Now, if God placed three times as a law... To make you guilty. So that you can see I need a saviour. How do you ever think you're going to reach 490? It's impossible. Forgiveness is not something we do in order to be saved. It's a false teaching. And as I was just talking on uh, Luke 15 where it says, Jesus draw all, drawn near, to all, near to all the sinners and the, and the murderers. What, ha- what happened to my, in my heart was I just realized how many Christians feel like sinners because they've still got something against somebody. 
Sometimes Christians just need to use some wisdom. If somebody really irritates you, don't be in his company all the time. It's just the way it is. Don't do that all the time. You know, if, if, if you hate broccoli, don't buy it. Because now you can say, yeah, you know, I hate broccoli, but God wants me to conquer this thing in my heart, so I, God told me I must only eat broccoli. Now, you told yourself that, and now you're using the name of God to think that you're going to sort that thing out in your life. If you don't like it, you can even eat it. It doesn't mean you like it. You can even say, I like it. You can even eat the whole bowl of the stuff, and it doesn't mean that you like it from the bottom of your heart. The only way that you will like it from the bottom of your heart is if something drastically changes in you supernaturally. Now, that's the only way it's going to work with forgiveness. You're not going to forgive somebody out of your willpower. Forgiveness is a fruit of receiving the true forgiveness of God. Many people don't know the forgiveness of God. Many people don't know how God has forgiven them. No, many people don't know the extent of the forgiveness of God. They don't know how God's forgiveness works. I mean, there's a certain way, and I'm not going to, I don't want to talk, the vision is not to talk on forgiveness, but the prodigal son. I mean, if you don't know the depths of His forgiveness, your forgiveness will be shallow. Because the Bible says we love Him for He first loved us. Now, I want to add this. We forgive because He has first forgiven us. And because we've got a revelation of forgiveness, we know what forgiveness is. We've experienced forgiveness. Our mind is permeated with how He has forgiven us. What He has freely given unto us. You know, I cannot keep something against somebody. It's impossible. I've tried. It's impossible. Because I study the message of forgiveness. I preach the message of forgiveness. I meditate on the message of forgiveness. I forgive. And I forgive from the depths of my heart. I don't say, well, I'm going to forgive this person. Somebody might wrong me and I'll be greatly upset. And tomorrow I might still be upset and the day after tomorrow. But as I study the message of forgiveness, as I study the message of grace, then I find in my heart that I'm not upset with that person anymore. I can even laugh about that matter. I just feel peace. Then I go to that brother and I just say, my brother, I just want to say that I have forgiven you for what you've done. If I've harmed you in my reaction, I ask you, can you forgive me? And then the only way he's going to forgive me from the depths of his being is when he studies the message of God's grace. The message of how God's forgiven him. Amen. Now, you know, what a man believes, as a man believes in his heart, so easy. If you believe that God's a God of forgiveness, everybody tends to what they believe God is. That's just the way it is. If people believe that God hates sin, and God hates the sinner when he sins and God rejects the sinner, you will reject people when they sin against you. Because that's what you believe about God. But if you believe God, he draws near to the sinner. If that's the depth of your, in the depth of your being you believe that, you are fully persuaded about that, you will, to the point that you can rest your mind in the fact that God is just a God that's attracted towards sinners. And this is, this is what it says. And the Pharisees and the scribes the people that are really studying the law, that were really into right living, they murmured 
saying, this man received sinners, he receives sinners. And eat with them, he keeps company with them, he fellowships with them, he makes effort with them, he sits in their parties where they drink and get drunk, he sits there. That's what he does. And he receives them. That means, if you, uh, I mean, he, he sits, if you receive somebody and eat with him, it means that you have, you, you gave the party. You said, come and eat at my house. And I'm, I tell you, when you would go to Jesus' house, he would give you a proper meal. And for sure, there was wine there. He used wine when they had communion. And that word wine in the Greek is wine. There's no other grape juice type of stuff. It was wine. Now, I don't say that Jesus said to them, go and get drunk. But even with what Jesus gave them, they could abuse that. Many Christians do it today. God might give you a nice car. You might abuse that car. God might give you a nice wife. And you might abuse that wife. God might have given you nice children. And you're abusing your children. In the same way, they might have abused what God has given them, or Jesus has given them when they were on the earth. But Jesus had compassion to them and He loved them to the point that after they murmured, He went over into these three parables which we're going to look into now. He says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. So listen, the joy that is set before Jesus' eyes is to see people saved. And he will endure what they do wrong until they get saved. Now I believe when Jesus was sitting there and people were just getting drunk and, and, and he was seeing the abuse in their lives through alcohol abuse and through all those type of things, he didn't like that. It's like that shepherd going looking for the sheep. He doesn't like it when he's out at night in the rain and there's danger, bears and wolves and lions and all of that. He's also in danger. He doesn't enjoy that. It would have been much nicer for him at home with all the sheep safe. But the love that he has puts him to a place where he will endure that for the love of that person. So he, and, and what, what I like about this is he says here, he will seek after that sheep which was lost until he finds it. And then, they, then he rejoices. And then it says, yeah, I say unto you that likewise, likewise, in the same way, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents, more than over the ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Now isn't that awesome? God is looking forward to the place where a person grabs a hold of the grace of God. I've seen it in my life. I have stuck out with people that is in the law that opposes me for so long and I would just, man, I, then they humiliate me. They make a mockery out of me. But I would just say, well, I'll go back there again. And some other people say to me, Matthew, why do you go there again? Look how they treat you. But inside me, there's just something that says, man, I must go back to this person. Because in my heart, there's this, this one day, it might just happen, where this person just grabs a hold of the grace of God, and he gets truly born of God, and not born again out of his own willpower. Now, if you don't understand what I've just said there, go on to Wordwell, click on born of God, 
Man, I think it's one of the most awesome teachings that I ever taught. And listen to that. It is life changing. Amen. And that's why we do it. And this is what you, if I am a person and I do that, how much more God? Hallelujah. He loves you. He loves people. The Bible says, love believes all things. Love, I mean, it endures all things. So, God's love can endure the hard time that you're going through, the sin that you're going through. It, it can endure that. So many times we think that, you know, God is short-fused. You know, He just flies off the handle for nothing. He just gets upset like this. No, God's love is not like that. God doesn't get upset for nothing. The only thing that made God upset, now I'm talking about Jesus now, if I talk about God when He walked the face of this earth, the only thing that made Jesus upset was the rejection in the lives of those holy Joes that thought that they were just better than a sinner. That made Jesus upset. Because those people are also sinners and then they are judging the others and by that judgment they're making people afraid of God. And that's now really chasing the little sheep further into the desert, hiding that sheep from the Savior or from the shepherd. That's what happens, keeping that sheep in darkness, where he wants him out of darkness. And he wants to put him right there with the other sheep where they can be safe, so they can be great joy for the salvation of the one. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you, if you've got something wrong in your life, uh, you can know that God loves you and He seeks after you in that area of your life. And even further, we're talking about the people that are lost. Completely lost. He goes after them. Now, I mean, sheep gets lost by nature. I mean, they just eat grass here, eat grass there. And when, they, and when He sees again, He says, Now, where did the other 200 go? You know, I've been faithfully eating here and all of a sudden, everybody's gone. And that's so many times in the lives of so many Christians the case. They think they're serving God in a certain way and when they see again they are in sin, they lost, they don't know how they got into it, they just know all of a sudden they've been tempted, they, they lost. Just by their nature. Some people say to me, Bafti, but it's just in my nature, I just want to do this wrong thing. I don't know why, I just want to do it. They get lost by nature, but I don't care if you just get lost because of your sinful nature. There's a Savior that's on your case, that's not on your case in the negative sense, but it's on your case to find you, to bless you, to save you, to get you into a place where you can truly say, I am safe. And He will follow after you until He finds you. Amen. Well, that's the love of God. And this is what He says um, in defense to people that murmured because He spent time with sinners. And these sinners were drunkards and prostitutes, man. Hallelujah. And the way God saw them, the way God sees a person that is lost is, that is my possession, which is so valuable to me, that I'm willing to leave the 99 in a safe place, and I will go after that one, and make my effort that one. Hallelujah. Now, I've seen it so many times. You can go to uh, an, an evangelism ministry, always has got money. It's just the way it is. They always prosper. They always blessed. There's always money for the impossible. If I want to preach on radio, there's money for that. If I want to um, preach in Indonesia, there will be money for that. If I want to go to Italy and I want to preach to the lost, there will be money for that. Because God's passion is the lost. Amen. It's just the way it is. And one day I went to a, a, a preacher 
Ed Elliott, and I've got so much respect for this man of God. He was a missionary in South Africa and he's back to America at the moment. He's preaching, I believe now, in Vietnam and those places. A great, great man of God. And I said to him, you know, Ed, I'm struggling financially, man. I don't know why it doesn't work out. Things just don't work out. I don't know what's going on. And he said to me, Bertie, and I said to him, you know, I've tithed, I've, I've been sowing and reaping. And he was into the tithing and sowing and reaping. And I explained my whole situation. At the end of my whole explanation, he said to me, you know, Bertie, to say God's honest truth, I don't know how to help you. But one thing I do know, that a soul winner has always got money. And you know what? I just took that in my heart and I said, thank you, my God. Now, now I don't believe it that way anymore. I've got the, I got into the message of grace concerning finances. But just, and, and what was in that was just such a, there's such a truth in it. God is in the soul winning business. That's what He's in. He, he loves the sinners. He's after those sinners. Not to judge them. You're going to go to hell, you piece of rubbish. That's not how God is. When He goes to that sinners, He wants to treat them. He wants to bless them. He wants to hook them to get them into greater joy than what they are chasing after. Amen. Now, now let's go to verse 8. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it. Now, I want to tell you, if you've got sin in your life, don't think, and even if that sin is pushing you away from God, you're feeling your relationship with God is becoming colder, and if you are, maybe you're watching this today, and, and I believe most of the people who watch Web Church are so radical, they say, man, I, I'm not into the traditional way of things, I want this because I am after the message of grace, after the truth, doesn't matter what, who says. Now, maybe you're not that person, but you might be working with people and have sinners around you. Jesus is diligently after, seeking after those people with diligence, with a, with a focused man. You know, if, um, if sometimes I can put, some, put something in a place, and I don't know where I put it, especially the car keys or the, my wallet. Now, if I want that wallet, I seek that thing diligently. I mean, it's everybody in the house, they say, oh, most men are like that. I want my wife to leave what she's busy with. My children must leave what they're busy with. And they must help me. We're diligently seeking after that wallet now. That's the time for seeking that wallet. Now, <laughs> see my wife smiling. But that's just the way it is. And I mean, if I'm like that, how much more God when it comes to a soul? Amen. Everybody must leave what they're busy with because we are seeking a lost soul. Hallelujah. And we want to see him saved. And sometimes you might find that I'm a bit pushy with this, but that's just the way I am and I believe that's the way God is. Let's leave our what we're busy with and what we waste our time with and let's get into winning the lost. And I don't say that if you don't do that, God's going to judge you and God's going to punish you. No, man, I say this with excitement in my heart. Let's be part of something that's worthwhile. Amen. Winning the lost. Getting people into the message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace. And this is just the heart of God. It's like this woman. She has got these precious coins, precious pieces of silver. She loses one piece. Now, she didn't throw it away. This piece got lost because of circumstances. She might have just been showing her friend, you know, look at this. Man, isn't this beautiful, eh? She puts it back 
into the cloth that she's got or whatever, one falls out. Just by, because of certain circumstances. People are lost because of circumstances. One of my, uh, a great supporter of the ministry, he uh, was just, he was staying over here last night and man, we just fellowshiped until I think we got into the bed at one o'clock, half past one last night. And um, we had such a good time together. And we, this morning as well, he's just left now with his children going to watch some movies and stuff. I mean, it's just, as we were talking, we were just talking about people that are out in the drug world and the way they were raised and because of the circumstances they are in. And that's why they are where they are. Because of circumstances. But I tell you, I don't care what the circumstances are, there's a God that loves people, that cares for sinners, that feed in His heart. Man, I want to get them to my message of grace. Now imagine a, a father looking for his son that is in some, I don't, you can call it whatever you want, lost in the world, busy with drugs in the world there, a father loving his son, on his way to see this son comes back home And just before he gets there, there's somebody else telling him, you know, your father is so disgusted with you in what you've done. He really is so irritated with your stubbornness. You know, he's he's, he's upset in his being. And he is going to, there's going to come a time when he is going to judge you. And here's the father, but he's not like that. He's a father that's really seeking the salvation of his son. And he's got a plan for his son to speak forgiveness, to speak his love towards his son. Imagine the pain in the heart of the father because of the lie that came to his son. And that's what happens so many times with, with a law mentality. And it's not just all the fault of the, the law preacher. It's sometimes our own fault because we're so legalistic in our mindset. We read the Bible without any preacher telling us anything about a law and we just read the law there for ourselves. And we lie to ourselves and the enemy lies to us and the law system lies to us and tells us that if God gets a hold of you, He's actually upset with you. But He'll tolerate you, but actually He's upset with you. And then one day, if you just don't come right, He's going to walk in here and judge you with cancer or sickness or poverty or something like that. Now, that does not bring repentance. The Bible says that don't despise the goodness of God. Don't you know that the goodness of God leads people to repentance? That's what the Word of God says. And what we can do is just open our hearts to that message of grace. Hallelujah! That is the message of God's love. Amen. And when she has found it, verse 9, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sin that repents. Now listen to the wording there. It doesn't say there's joy in the hearts of the angels. It says there's joy in the presence of the angels. So there where the angels are, which is heaven, which is around the throne of God, in their presence there is joy. That's the joy of God in the presence of the angels. And amongst the angels, everybody rejoices. 
when Jesus was born, according to Luke 2 verse 14, the heavenly host burst into this world and rejoices, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. Because of the birth of Jesus. Just the birth of Jesus brought joy. Why? Because now man can be saved. Hallelujah. I want you to know this. God loves sinners. God loves you. He loves the person that sins against you as well. You know what gave me a lot of power to forgive is when somebody sins against me and really wrongs me, I know that he is forgiven as I am forgiven. I know that as I sin and God's got compassion and time with me and just patience with me and He's willing to say that good thing about me over and over and over towards me as He says, don't worry my son, I know this thing is maybe harming you, this thing can be deadly to you, but I want to tell you I'm always there for you, I will never reject you, you are my righteousness, I love you. You are the apple of my eye. You are the pearl of great price. You are so valuable to me. I I, I can't but look at you. I've created you in my beauty. You are my bride. Man, imagine that. Even my wife today. Man, I cannot keep my eyes off her. It's just the way it is. She's beautiful. Now, I don't worry if somebody else says she's beautiful. Now, I know she's beautiful. And if you don't see her as beautiful, man, there's something wrong with your eyes. But I look at my wife, she's beautiful to me. I'm married 13 years now. And we, when we got married, it was just the same. When she came down that aisle, man, I was just looking at her. This beautiful woman. Now, I mean, we are called the bride of Christ. That's the way He sees us. He can't keep His eyes off us. Now, imagine God saying that to you all the time. All the time. And that's what He says towards the person that wrongs you as well. Because that's how he feels about that person. And that helps us to forgive. Amen. You can see forgiveness is not something you do. It's a fruit of what God's done and your revelation on how he lives towards sinners. Amen. Thank you, my God. And a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me my portion of the goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living and not made as after, after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. Now listen to this young guy. He takes everything that the father gives him, and then goes and wastes it. There are so many people today, they take the gospel, they take the, you know, so many people say, oh, you know, this gospel message is just a, this grace message is just a license to sin. Now this is what this young man did. He took everything that the Father gave him. Know what he did? He went and wasted it out. Maybe you're watching today. Maybe you've wasted everything out in your life. I've got good news for you. There's a Father that loves you the same. As before you even got a hold of anything. As before you ever messed up anything. He loves you. And will never change just the way it is. Hallelujah. Now this guy goes and wastes out everything the Father has given him. How many Christians today? God gives, heals their marriage. He heals this. He heals that. And then they go and mess it up again and say, Oh, you know, God's now never going to help them. It's like this one lady came to a preacher. Said, please help us because we are bankrupt. We've got nothing because my husband went and gambled it all out over five years. 
Then the preacher helped them and, and they prayed and he repented and everything. And, and then they got all their money back. You know, uh, uh, not, not back. I mean, they got new money. They were just blessed again and prospering. And then one day, in a moment of weakness, this guy went and he gambled again. And then this guy, this lady came and she just wept at the pastor's feet. So, you know, my husband has just wasted everything and now God's been so gracious and look what he's done with the grace of God. And the preacher rebuked her. Said to her, why are you walking in unbelief? Do you believe God's changed? Do you believe because this is the second time God's not going to be the same again? God cannot change. He's the same. Yesterday, today and forevermore. And I want to tell you, uh, people that say, well, I only commit the sin once and then I repent and now I've never done it again. 99.9999 until infinity percent of those people that say that lie. And they are busy with some sin somewhere that they repeat all the time. It's just the way people are. That's why we need a God of grace that can love us out of our sins. That can love us out of that which breaks us. And that's what God did or the Father did to this son. This son willfully went and wasted everything. The, the sheep gets lost because of his nature. The coin gets lost because of circumstance. And then there are people that are just lost because they, don't, they just want to be lost. That's just the way it is. But it doesn't change the love of the Father. The Father will allow you. Go and do whatever you want. But no, I'm waiting here for you. I love you. Amen. And when he had spent all, there arose a famine in that land. And he began to be in want. You know, so many times Christians, they believe in the mercy of God, they believe in the grace of God, they go and they, they spend it all. You know, they go as far as what they think they can go. And then they find all of a sudden, I'm in want. I've abused this. And I'm in need. And then they start to do things to get out of that need. But they find they can't get out of it. Like this guy. He went and worked for somebody and he fed pigs. But his work to get himself out of that trouble could never save him. Your effort will never save you out of the rubbish you dumped yourself in. It's not going to work. So many times we get preachers and people that go to people when they are really down the dumps and they offer them a job feeding pigs. You know what you must do to get out of this? You must do this, you must do this, you must do this. Then you must save up that money. Then you're going to get out of this. It's not the way it's going to work. The only way for you to get out of that situation is by a gracious God. If you cannot get into a place where you find a God that is gracious, (laughs) let me tell you, it's all over. You're never going to work yourself out of it. It's impossible. You cannot be saved by your works. Isn't that awesome? That's so beautiful, man. I'm preaching myself thirsty. Amen. Now listen to me. So many people today are in a situation where they say, I've wasted it. I've I've been saved. I have walked the right way. But there's something wrong. I got lost. I've wasted this. I got divorced from my wife. I got divorced from my husband. I know I'm guilty. I know I've done it wrong. And whatever. And and, and then you can find people giving you 10 steps to this and 10 steps to that. To get out of it. Let me tell you, even if their motives are pure, even if they feel pity on you, those are the people, and that's the message, if it's works orientated, not this message of grace, if it's a works message, let me tell you something, 
that is the farmer that's got the pigs that you're going to start to work for. And it's not going to feed you, it's not going to take away your hunger, for you are hungering after your father. You are hungering after someone that is going to be gracious to you. You are hungering after being in a place where you can rule and reign again. That's what you're hungering after. And I want you to know that as long as what you are mindful of a God that is a God of mercy, you'll find a way back for there's a Father waiting for you. There's a God waiting for you that will just love you. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to take it up to there. We're going to go over to the communion because that's what it's all about. Next week we will continue with this parable of the good father. Excuse me. This is not about the, the lost son. This is about the good father that loves you, that cares for you. Amen. Now, we're going to go over to the communion because all of this is founded in the blood and the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just studied out the word uh, uh, communion here. In the, in the Greek, and we're going to look at that. Let's go to Second um, Corinthians. Now, first or Second Corinthians? Let me just find it quickly. And I'm just going to explain to you a little bit about the communion. Yeah. Now it's First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-eight. Now, man, I can, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read everything. I'm just going to explain it to you that you can know what this is all about. Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth and he just corrects them about the whole communion thing because they didn't understand it. They just knew and they, they had to hear that from Paul or some other apostles that you're supposed to take communion whenever you come together and then you take the cup and you take the bread and you eat that in remembrance of Jesus. Um, that's what you were supposed to do. But they didn't get the whole thing of in remembrance of Jesus. So what they did was they had a big meal. They would bring meat and bread and wine and whatever. And if you can go and read for yourself here that these people got drunk. They got drunk in church having communion. Now man, that is not an orderly way. That's not the way it is supposed to be. They did not they did, they did it in an unorderly way. They did it in an unworthy way. Now, that's not the worthy way. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. To eat yourself that you feel, man, you, you, you're gluttonous at the communion table and just here is a poor Christian sitting, not even having food. Man, that is now re- and humiliating people. And then the rich people would sit inside the building. The poor people would be outside and then they will send some of the leftovers outside and call that the communion. Now, that's not what it was. Uh, that's not what it's supposed to be. Now, let's read this. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I declared unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of, of me, of Jesus. Okay? Of the same manner, he also took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this, the cup of the Lord in an unworthy 
unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let every man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning, or because he doesn't understand, the body of the Lord. And this, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and asleep. For if you would judge yourself, we should not be judged. Now, isn't that awesome? That is so, so powerful. When we have got, um, when we drink the blood, we've got communion with the blood and the body. Now, that word communion says, it's fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation or intercourse. It even goes as deep as intercourse. So, what he says, you become one with. So, when we take the bread and we do it mindful of ourselves and mindful of our sins, we're also doing it in an unworthy manner. There's two unworthy manners. Not discerning, well, it's actually just one. Um, You don't discern the body of the Lord. So what you are saying is, well, I must be sinless, I must examine myself, confess all my sins, then I can partake of the body of the Lord, otherwise I am unworthy because I don't qualify by my works. Now that is, if you do it in that way, saying, well, Lord, I confess all my sins, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for everything I've done, I forgive everybody, now I can take of your body, of your body thank you. That is an unworthy way. That's not right. That's wrong. Now, we've been taught like that, but it's not right. The right way is to say, Lord, I don't want to come and take part of your body being mindful of me. He says, when you take the bread and you break it, be mindful of Jesus. So, what must you see when the bread's broken? You must see Him on the cross. So many times when we come to communion, what do we see? We see our sins that we've committed in the last month. Now, that is not a worthy way of coming because you're not discerning the Lord's body. What it says is, because we're not discerning the Lord's body, there are many sick and has already died because of this. Because they bring judgment over themselves, not God judging them. Outside the message of grace, there's judgment. Now, we don't come, people don't come and take the body of the Lord with a message of grace in their minds, but with a message of the law, and then they judge themselves as guilty. And know what happens then? when they judge themselves as guilty, then they say, well, then I qualify for sin. I'm just a sinner, you know, Lord, and I confess all my sins. And tomorrow, you commit a sin again just after communion or just after the service and you feel guilty again. And now, that is not what God wants for you. There's something greater than that. Amen. So, when we take the body of the Lord and when it was broken, it was broken for you. Hallelujah. So you can today say that by His stripes I am healed. And this is a way in which we remind ourselves of what the Lord has done. And as I break this, and I break it over and over again, every time I see this bread break, and I want you to do that with the bread you've got right now, and as you break it, you see the body of the Lord being broken for you. And as you do this, You think of His deed of love. A deed of no condemnation. A deed of laying down who He is. Cleansing you. Healing you. And as you see this, you don't say, Oh, I'm a sinner. You say, I am forgiven. Hallelujah. 
I receive a new body. I will live forevermore with Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. And just break that bread over and over again. Over and over again. As you break it, you think of Him. It was broken for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I would like you to eat of that bread. The Bible says you eat of this, you eat His body. And as this goes into your body, becomes part of your digestive system, becomes part of your whole body, giving you energy, giving you life. That's how we take part of Jesus. He's our life. He's our, he's, his body became our body. And we have got communion with Him. We associate with Him. So when you take the communion, don't associate with your sin. Associate with Jesus. That's what the word communion means. Let's, have, let's eat and we thank the Lord for His body. Father, I thank You for the body of Jesus that was broken for us. This is also a place where you can just thank God for what He's done for you. You can thank God for His unconditional love towards you. Let worship come into your heart as you do this. Oh, thank you, my Father. Thank you for your body, the body of Jesus. You know, people, so many times when it comes to the com- communion, because of church and the way church was held, you know, everybody gets a piece of bread like this and you eat that little piece, you can hardly taste it. You don't have time to meditate upon it. Man, take another piece and eat of this remembering Jesus. Hallelujah. So you take another piece say, thank you, my God. What you've done is awesome for me. Your body was broken. And I take of this and I eat of this. Thank you, Jesus. Your body was broken for me. Therefore, I'm healed today. Therefore, I'm part of your body. Therefore, I... Oh my God, as I look at your body, it's awesome to think that you have been resurrected and and as I partake of you, I partake of life. I'm not sick. I'm healed. As the body of Jesus was broken and was resurrected, I'm healed. It's awesome. Thank you, my God. I love you for what you've done. Amen. I worship you, my God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you. I'm just going to give you a minute or two just to enjoy this. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Ana mosta embridusta esta cambraga. Luna masta embridesta esta cambraga. Mistu cumbraga. I speak healing power over every sick person that's listening to my voice right now. I say you are the healed of God. You are the touched of God. You are the blessed of God. You don't have that body of sin anymore. It has died. You've got a resurrected body. You've got a glorified body. You've got a body that doesn't incline to sin, but it's inclined to righteousness and holiness and that which is good in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now, before we get to the blood, 
I just want to get my Bible open in Romans chapter 5. And we're going to end off with this scripture and then with a song that we've played on, I think, I believe it was New Year's, well, with the turn of the year, the midnight service we had. And uh, <coughs> Eliana's just going to start that song after we've used the scripture and after I've blessed you. And I would like you to listen to that. You know, the, the whole thing is about being pardoned, being forgiven, being in the love of God and then being sent out and used by God. That's the passion that's in my heart. If you're part of this church, I want to tell you. It's all about what He's done for you to the point that we can take that and do something with it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Um, Romans 5. Verse 19. I think I've got that 19 wrong. Let me just find the scripture. Verse verse 9. It's verse 9. It says here, Much more than... Okay, let's go to verse 8. But God commanded His love towards us, that in while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. So when it comes to the blood of Jesus... And we have got communion or um, unity in the love of God, uh, in the blood of Jesus. You know what it means? It means just one thing. We are one with that blood. We are one with Him. We, uh, uh, we associate with His blood. We fellowship with His blood. That's what it's all about. Amen. So, when you take the blood of Jesus, just go and drink it knowing that God loves you. That God cares for you. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm forgiven. As I partake of this blood. I'm forgiven. As the goodness of God flows through me. I'm forgiven. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just going to give a couple of minutes before we play the music. And just, let's ponder on this. And you partake of that blood in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your great, your great love that flows through us right now. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I just want to ask my son to just go and quiet the dog quickly. Because for some reason he's barking now. (laughs) Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you that it just flows through us right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for your peace that just flows through us. Thank you, my God, in Jesus' name. You're an awesome God and you love us. You care for us. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are forgiven. Father, I bless every person that's just watched Web Church right now. I see you're the blessed of God. You are awesome in the sight of God. You are pardoned and you are forgiven. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, my God, for that. 
I bless everybody. I say you are the blessed of God. You are the loved of God. And go in the peace of God right now. Amen. Amen. Well, stay blessed. We've got the um, this Skype after this. Skype is just a cell group that we've got after this. So you can download Skype from the internet. If you have done it in the week, you are so welcome to join us. I'm Bertie Brits, my Skype name. So you can just search for Bertie Brits in South Africa. You'll find my name there. And then you ask me to put you on and I will put you on. You can be part of this cell group. Thank you so much and enjoy this music. God bless you. Amen.